We've got Liz Peek, Fox News contributor, syndicated columnist. We've got Steve Moore, FreedomWorks, and Committee to Unleash Prosperity, and his book, Govzilla. Uh, welcome back, kids. It's a pleasure. Steve Moore, your uh, study on the Biden administration's cabinet and senior people, where nobody has a business background. That study has resonated. You know, I was talking to Newt Gingrich in the first segments of this show and his fight against big government socialism, and he, he mentioned your study as one reason why uh, these people continue to pursue all these crazy policies. So um, what does your study say? What are the chief conclusions of this study? So we chatted a little bit about this last week, but I'll just give a quick summary of this, that we looked at the top 65 people in the Biden administration who deal with um, either finance or commerce or business or transportation issues, uh, issues related to the economy. And that starts from the top with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the cabinet secretaries and the people, uh, you know, at the National Economic Council where you were, Larry, and running that under Trump. And what we found was the majority of them, not only have they never work, um, run a business, the majority of them have never even worked for a business, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. It means you probably wouldn't want to hire these people to run a lemonade stand. And yet, you know, we have a $22 trillion economy, and they're major, making major, major decisions about how business operates and how to deal with inflation and other issues when they have just almost no experience. And, and we did look, Larry, uh, at the Trump administration, and we looked at people like you and so many of the others who uh, we had key positions in the economy. And the, on average, the uh, Trump people had four to five times more business experience. And so, and of course, that starts with the top, right? I mean, Donald Trump had 40 years of business experience, and, and uh, Joe Biden has never really had a real job. And so that's the conclusion. I'll just make one other quick point about this that um, I'm not so sure it's an oversight by the Biden administration that they didn't pick people with business experience. Right. I think it's they just don't like business. <laughs> right. They don't like small business. They don't like companies. And so they wanted ideologues and social, uh, you know, people who had worked for government and people who had been community organizers and lawyers and, and uh, those types. And so I, I would submit that's one of the reasons the wheels are coming off the economy. Well, yeah, I mean, Liz, um, it's not that they don't like business. They hate business. Biden, <laughs> Biden has not said one nice thing about business in 18 months. It's not just oil and gas. He's attacked all these. Remember, he was blaming poultry and farmers and shippers, every, shippers and banks and everybody. Uh, and they're socialists. I mean, socialists don't have a long history. I mean, do you know a lot of Liz, you, you, you worked in business for a long time. Do you know a lot of CEOs who are socialists? <laughs> no. Uh, look, I, I'm not at all surprised by this. I don't think we should be surprised by it, because after all, the Obama White House was taken to task for exactly the same thing, a really profound lack of practical, real-world uh, commercial experience. And boy, does it matter, because whether you're running a huge agency like the transportation uh, sector under Pete Buttigieg, who's never had a real-world job, uh, and he can't make the trains run on time, literally, uh, or whether you're trying to create a budget that makes sense or prioritize yeah, right. things. Look, I, I think uh, I think it's very bad for our country that there are so few business people in positions of power and influence right now. I think it's even worse that the Democrats tend to demagogue 
business and business leaders. And by the way, it has a very big impact on business investment. We saw this under the Obama White House. Right now, small businesses are very profoundly depressed. Uh, you know, optimism about the, the outlook is the worst, I think, ever recorded for small businesses. What does that mean? It means they'll stop hiring, and I think that's already beginning to show up, and they'll stop investing, less productivity, less growth, and, by the way, less wage increases down the road uh, for workers. So this is really not good for our country. I mean, Steve, you may be, you may be a bit extreme here. I mean, Buttigieg... He's the transportation secretary. He hates roads. He hates cars. Granholm's the energy secretary. She basically right. she hates fossil fuels. Uh, Hallen's the interior secretary. She won't issue any new leases. I mean, you kind of go right down. I mean, Janet Yellen, the treasury secretary, is wants price controls on oil. Uh, she she wants uh, climate change as existential risk. I mean, it's pretty wild. I'm surprised. I mean, you, at least they have a general running the Defense Department. At least that's exactly. something. <laughs> well, you know, I was, I, I was reminded about, remember, our, our uh, great uh, uh, dear friend, um, Bill Buckley, uh, bless mm-hmm. his heart, uh, may he rest in peace, he used to talk about, I'll take the 51st people I find in the Brooklyn city. And, you know, I, I thought about in the context of, like, I'd take the guy who's running the dry cleaner store down the street <laughs> right. people in the right. White House. And I'll now just make one other example. You mentioned Budajag and Granholm. There's a, this, uh, we've talked about this woman before, 31-year-old um, uh, uh, Lena Khan, who's yeah. never, never worked for business. She's just been in academia her whole life. She's, she's wet behind the ears. She's you know, 31 years old. And she's telling businesses how to operate their companies? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, sure. It's absolutely ludicrous. I well, mean, what, you can or can't. You can't purchase this. You can't. You're you're too powerful. You know, and she knows nothing. I mean, I've never met the woman, but she, I mean, it really is like the lunatics running the asylum. Well, and you know, you've got one guy who has worked in business, Gary Gensler. He worked yeah. on Wall Street, so he, so Liz, he, uh, he's running the Security Exchange Commission. Except he's confused, and he thinks it's the Securities and Environmental Commission. So, <laughs> Not so. only that, he's already been very successful in basically shutting down a very big activity uh, that allowed a lot of companies to go public, which was SPACs, the Special right. Purpose uh, Acquisition Companies, of which there were hundreds that came out. And some of them, to be sure, were a little bit flighty and, and not particularly substantial. But the truth is he has stopped that business dead mm-hmm. in its tracks. And I, I kind of wonder, you know, no one wants to sue him. No one wants to take on the SEC or any of these alphabet agencies. It's very scary to do it, particularly if you're a bank or a financial institution, because already the deck is stacked against you. Already Democrat judges and so forth are not going to be in your corner. But, you know, it's pretty high-handed, right, that, that this guy has done this. And, yes, to your, per, to your point, he really wants banks and other financial institutions to start poning up rafts of information about how not only are they handling climate change, but how their customers are and whether they're, they're uh, lending to businesses that are not uh, going to move our country towards zero emissions. I was just looking at these pledges that Biden, reminding myself what they are for, for emissions, they are ludicrous. They are truly ludicrous. And 
and we're not going to get there, but if we really try, we are really going to stomp uh, <laughs> on our economy. And, Steve, I don't know who the guy running the FCC hates telephone companies. That's, 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 <laughs> that's the theme. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's awesome. And then um, the other thing that's so interesting this week is so Joe Manchin comes out against taxes and climate change, finally comes out against it. He is getting I don't know if you read the New York Times this morning or the Washington Post. The Democrats are slaughtering Manchin, slaughtering Manchin, because he has this strange idea that if you're in a recession, you shouldn't raise taxes. And if you're in double digit inflation, you shouldn't raise spending. Imagine that. Imagine that. They're killing them. Man, here, I'm looking at the New York Times. Manchin dangles hope of a future compromise. Democrats revolt. And the Washington, I mean, they're gnashing their teeth about over this poor guy. A compromise with, a compromise with who? <laughs> they haven't texted Republicans in two years. This isn't a compromise. Uh, look, I'll, I've said it many times on your show, Larry. I'll say it again. If the Democrats don't want Joe Manchin, we'll take him. We'll take him. Here's the Washington Post. White House on sidelines as Manchin again crushes Biden's policy ambitions. <laughs> I want to give him a Nobel Prize for the economy. Well, he, he really has. I mean, the irony is that he is he is the one guy who's standing between our economy and Armageddon. I mean, can you imagine adding another one, two or three trillion dollars of spending and taxes? And, and that package that they were talking about that he has now hopefully scuttled forever was basically just a big tax increase on businesses, especially yeah. small yeah. businesses. There yeah. were 50 large, I may have mentioned this last week, there were 50 large business associations, you know, of small businesses, um, and they all signed on to this thing. It would destroy our business model. It would. It's the worst time for this. And I've never seen that before. These, these uh, companies, everybody from auto dealers to, uh, you know, restaurant associations to, uh, you know, uh, construction companies saying this would be a catastrophe for our economy. So, I mean, God bless Joe Manchin, and you were right. He does deserve a Nobel Prize. So, Liz, think about that. Uh, This is the so-called compromise, okay, for reconciliation. (laughs) So they wanted a 3.8% investment tax on uh, all the small business pass-throughs. Plus, this didn't get enough attention. That deal included a strict limitation on loan loss provisions for small businesses, okay? That's another one. Then there's the 15% minimum uh, tax on corporations. But, Liz, that was on book profits, which means you can't deduct, uh, for example, no depreciation. You couldn't deduct expenses, right? You couldn't take any credits. So that was in there. Plus, they were going to tax wealthy people, you know, entrepreneurs, guys, men and women that start businesses. This is what they regarded as a compromise. I mean, of course, Manchin couldn't do it. I mean, it's a denial of, I mean, we're in an inflationary recession and all of these things would have made each side worse, higher inflation yeah. and, and, and a deeper recession. I, I, it's just beyond belief that this is what the Democratic Party stands for. It, but it is. And, and I think, yes, thank heavens for Joe Manchin. I am worried, though, that Joe Manchin has said, well, he wants to see the next month's inflation numbers and then he might change his mind on yeah, right, right. saying nothing, yeah. you know, saying no to tax increases. So, by the way, next month uh, inflation, most people think is going to look a little better because energy is not quite so uh, is the gain in energy prices isn't so profound. 
So is Joe Manchin going to wheedle back to this thing? And are we all going to be sitting here a month from now saying, oh, my gosh, it's going to go through? What, what makes me crazy is where is the accounting for the trillions of dollars already mm-hmm. allocated <laughs> to many of the same ambitions? I was just going through uh, some of the past bills looking for climate change. What we're hearing in this, this, this bill included $570 billion for climate. That, that this was the reduced bill, $570 billion. We've already allocated tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars for climate change. Where is it going? What is it doing? I mean, does anyone have any idea, or is these just magical numbers that are popping out of people's heads? I have no idea. It's I don't crazy think making. It, I don't think anybody knows. I don't I think know. anybody knows. By the way, I'm not sure what that has to, any of that stuff has to do with climate change. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. So you're going to buy seventy five thousand dollar Teslas, really? Huh? Plus, you know, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, he he doesn't want anyone to build any new roads. Howland doesn't. Howland and Granholm doesn't want to give any permits for anything. It's not just it's not just uh, fossil fuels. It's also bridges. It's the infra, infrastructure bill. I mean, yeah. they they won't give permits for the infrastructure. So that, well, I don't know. They got a one point one trillion dollar infrastructure bill that none of that stuff will get through because of their climate change stuff. So I have no idea where this money is going to go to. I have no idea. All I know. Well, man, by the way, by the time those inflation numbers come out and stuff, that they'll be in the August recess. That's the best part of the deal. Manson goes through his Hamlet routine, but he'll be okay. <laughs> He's going to be okay. Well, Larry, why is it? Why is it to follow up on what Liz was saying? Why is it? It's just Joe Manchin. He's the only sane Democrat uh, yeah. in the entire Congress. Cinema. It's really pretty pitiful, isn't it? Well, Cinema. Yeah, no, but she has been tight-lipped lately, and and uh, she probably would be against this too. But I mean, my gosh, I don't understand why more Democrats have they really been so taken over by this radical climate change? agenda and the radical redistribution of income uh isn't it ironic incidentally that you know when you have the high inflation the people who are getting obviously hurt the most are the people at the lowest end of the economic ladder there was a big study that a lot of people are doing having really cut back even on their essentials on their on their groceries and things like that so gee i thought they were going to reduce income inequality their policies have actually made it worse well go back to your study how many of them worked in business I have no idea how the economy maybe works. Maybe we should look at the. Maybe we should look at Congress next. You know. Oh, well, <laughs> the cavalry is coming. The cavalry is coming. So, kids, let's um, chew a little bit. Uh, Donald Trump told New York Magazine he's already made up his mind he's going to run for president. There you have it. What do you think about that, Liz Peek? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I, I have mixed feelings about it, Larry, because yeah. I think he is such a controversial character. He has an enormous following, there's no doubt. But I just think he brings, as they used to say about Hillary Clinton, so much baggage uh, to the 2024 race that I would really prefer someone else to run. Mm. Uh, what worries me is the timing of his announcement. If he announces before the midterms and that keeps from people from voting or turns away some turns off some people from uh, candidates he's endorsed that would be a nightmare and it really really worries me you know steve moore i was talking to newt about this uh, earlier in the in the show and newt had this great line he said well there's there's big donald and there's little donald he said there's big donald 
who's good on the issues and would fight big government socialism. And then there's little Donald that gets embroiled in all of these small things and Twitter battles and, you know, grievances about 2020. And Newt said, you know, big Donald would be great. Little Donald, not so great. I agree with that 100 percent. You know, I mean, there's no question that if the election in 2024 is about Trump, Trumponomics and Trump policies, I mean, people people love for the most part, Trump's policies, and they look better every day, don't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yes. mean, in contrast to what Joe Biden has done, I think we appreciate what, what uh, Trump did. Um, I, first of all, I'm totally with Liz on this, and I've, I'm undecided about Trump at this point. I, I mean, I want to hear, you know, what he has to say, and I want to, you know, and I think it's pretty likely he is going to run, but I pray that he, he waits until after the midterms. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have an historic Republican plan fight, it looks like, and I think Trump, you know, making that announcement would be a distraction at this point. So, uh, Mr. President, if you're listening to this show, my advice is whatever your decision is, uh, let us know, you know, maybe in January. Yeah, well. By the way, Larry, could I just follow up on that for one Mm -hmm. second? I was reading earlier about the fundraising for some of the uh, people running for Senate on both sides of the aisle. Republicans are being outraised in terms of money hugely in some of these very pivotal races. And again, the Senate I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I find that incredibly worrisome. I don't know. I don't know what that says exactly, whether Republican donors just kind of feel like this is in the bag. They don't have to step up. But we're talking in, for some of these candidates, you know, five, ten times more money being raised by Democrats. And these are not all incumbents. These are people uh, like Fetterman uh, running against Oz. You know, you may not like Mehmet Oz. You may not think he's the perfect candidate, but he's better than Fetterman. And boy, oh boy, do we need to win that seat. Uh, And right now he's being crushed in terms of money. You know, I love the guy. I always will. But if he's going to run, I want him to run as Big Donald. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be the thing. Um, He's going to give a speech. It'll be interesting. Uh, We have this uh, America First policy uh, institute meeting in Washington. It's going to be a very big two-day conference. Uh, President Trump will give the keynote on July 26. And um, we're all hoping that he, you know, gives a good, tough policy speech, you know, beating up, you know, attacking Biden's big government socialism and laying out his own agenda, which looks better and better every day, as, as you all say. But I think, you know, it's it, it will be big Donald versus little Donald. I mean, look, yep. Kel, I've talked to Kellyanne Conway about this. I mean, we all are in agreement when he's good. He's good. But when yeah. he's not good, he's not good. And, and he just um, has not been able to walk away from the 2020 election. And I think I just don't know very many people who really want to relitigate that as sort of the centerpiece of a 24 right. election campaign. Yeah, none of us do. None of us do. <clears throat> yeah. Steve Moore, what do you think of Biden's Middle East trip? The Saudis wouldn't give him any oil, but he's got a deal cooking with Iran that would give Iran about a trillion dollars worth of money in order to make a deal that will never be verified. And they'll have a nuclear anyway, driving me crazy. I, I just think it's very dangerous for our country that we have such a weak president. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, he, he certainly um, is not up for the task, and I don't know what the Democrats are going to do. Kamala isn't up for it. 
Um, how much longer? Do, I, I mean, I'm asking a serious question. How much longer is he going to be president? He just he seems to be fading to me. Mm. Very rapidly. Liz, I couldn't figure out which was worse, fist pumping, fist bumping <laughs> MBS or shaking his hand. I well, couldn't I, figure I, out may which I just was say, worse. I mean, there's been a lot of con- controversial comments about this. Even Democrats <laughs> think it's horrible that he fist bumped with MS uh, with uh, MBS. But can I just say that when our diplomacy effort is boiling down to whether you handshake or fist bump, something yes. is profoundly wrong. Um, my, I'm most offended by the fact that he went he, recent com, recent comments included the fact that Trump he implied that Trump had quote walked away from the Middle East mm. and I got to tell you I have never been more angry it, there, if there's one thing the Trump administration did it was not walk away from the Middle East they did uh, get rid of dump the Iran deal which they should have done and by the way if it's such a terrific deal why didn't it go to Congress why has Biden never spoken to the American people about this deal mm-hmm. shouldn't the American people hear something about a quasi treaty that this country is about to enter into of course they should but the most yeah. consequential movement in in Middle Eastern uh, peace accords and and diplomacy in decades were mm-hmm. the Abraham Accords which now Biden wants to take ownership of having basically scorched the earth that, that, that created them. It makes me so angry, Larry, and it's it's just completely uh, All right, honest. We're going to have to leave it there. Liz Peake and Steve Moore can't thank you enough. By the way, the Iran deal itself is a catastrophic idea, but we'll see how it turns out. 